All right, folks, as we're filing in, uh, we'll get started here. This is Calling Shots. I'm Seth Partnow, uh, joined today uh, by my friend and fellow instructor at Sports Business Classroom, uh, starting next week in Las Vegas, uh, from uh, Turner NBA TV, uh, Bo Estes. Bo, how are you doing this afternoon, this morning? Uh, this yeah. Afternoon for you. It is afternoon now, but I was good this morning, so I can update that. Yeah, I was great this morning, even better this afternoon, and, and glad to talk to you, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to Las Vegas and Summer League next week and, you know, making calls to students now that are in the media and broadcasting program. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you feel like you're about to jump on the treadmill, and I know it's coming, but I'm really excited about it. I so I've been in the I, I we're we're road tripping down there so I've been kind of driving across the southwest <laughs> for the last couple of days and I am I mean I'm air conditioned right now but man it's going to be hot but uh, I let's, let's, I drove that Seth I think I drove what you drove uh, when we moved from Atlanta to Southwest Colorado we came across the Texas Panhandle and went through New Mexico and um, yeah getting out to it's it's a warm area of the country I'll tell I'll tell you yeah. that. And and for those who've never done it, uh, from like southwest Oklahoma to the New Mexico border, there is nothing. Like, no, the, the the most nothing. I've Except ever for intense winds, I yes. went through the most intense winds. There's a town called Tucumcari, New Mexico. I'm not recommending Tucumcari, but if you get there, j- just prepare yourself and bring a kite because it's it's intense. <laughs> so. Uh, for people who may recognize you, you may be wondering where you recognize Bo's voice from. <laughs> uh, he is the he is the voice of uh, of kind of the the nightly top plays uh, on on NBA TV, NBA dot com, uh, respect uh, in, in various other forms where those are distributed. Uh, if you watch League Pass on broadband, you'll get them at, at timeouts and halftimes and stuff like that. Uh, but so. What what would you describe aside from uh, from uh, writing a lot of pun highlight based puns? <laughs> what what your job is? Well, that, that is a big part of my job apparently now. Uh, but yeah, so on a typical night at the NBA, and that's that's not the only uh, outlet I do for Turner because I work for the NCAA and the WNBA and all those other things. Uh, but for the NBA. I handle all of your highlights for each and every game that comes through. Uh, I do the end of the night top 10. And then uh, we have something called the fast break, which is a wrap up uh, sort of short podcast every night uh, that we put together. And that's, uh, you know, that's basically two, three minutes of what happened in the NBA that night. So my responsibility is to prepare for every single game in the NBA in a different way than, than you prepare, Seth, and, and other people prepare. I need to be able to tell the story of the game in two to three minutes. I need to tell the major points uh, of emphasis, any trends, stuff like that. Uh, so it's just a different approach to the game of basketball than a lot of people take. Uh, and, you know, I've been, di- I've been involved with the NBA since geez, 1994, 1995. Uh, and I've been involved in the highlight operation off and on since then. Uh, so this is my home. This is what I'm comfortable doing, and it's it's something I really enjoy. There's a little bit of of uh, you know it's in the Turner family. I think for for people sort of of, of our rough generation might remember the Sports Minute on uh, on headline news with yeah. With, uh, if I if, uh, Van Earl Wright was the uh, Van Earl Wright worked with yeah. us for a while, Seth. He yeah. did. And uh, and and there's I, I feel like there's a big part of because that was very much what that was. It was a minute where somehow the entire the entirety of a sports day got crammed in 
to to a minute, and I feel like there's there's a little something uh, similar. No, no, there is. And what's what's interesting is when I first I was I was still in college. The uh, Olympics came to Atlanta in 1996, and uh, I had an internship with them, fresh out of college. Uh, and basically, before that, while in college, I was interning at CNN Sports. And so I would be with those guys, helping out the Steve Wrigley's, the Jerome Jurinovich's, uh, the Van Earl Wright's. We would be working with them. And you're right, there is a, a real similarity. And it was, a, it was a full circle moment for me when Van Earl Wright came and joined us at NBA.com for a couple of years. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, he's got a distinct and unique voice. Uh, and you're right, for our generation, that was a thing. It's not so much a thing anymore, particularly in that format. Uh, but it, it certainly has influenced the, the way I go through and tell game stories for sure. Uh, the, the top ten is almost, you know, like a different personality, a different thing altogether. That's basically the end of the night where I just try to have some fun and entertain myself. And if anybody else is entertained, that's good. Uh, but, you know, th- those game reports are something that, you know, you, you have to have fun with, you have to have energy, but you also have to adhere to the facts and, and get the story across. For sure. So how do you, how do you, you know, what does, how does one uh, get to the point you know, of, of you mentioned having an internship in college, but yep. I think that this is something, and it's something we're going to talk about this week in SBC. But how do uh, how does one get there? Uh, well, for me, it has been a lifelong journey. I, when I was a little kid, I told my parents I wanted to be a sportscaster, but it's not required to have a dream as a seven-year-old. It's something that you have to. We, we've uh, all done that, though, right? Yeah, we've all, we've all done the. We're we're uh, we're calling Game Seven of the Finals the final shot, and you know some sometimes you're doing it like while you're taking the shot on the court. Imagine <laughs> sort of doing both sides of that, but I think everyone's done that. Well, yeah, no, and that was me as a little kid. I always wanted that, and of course, Seth, I wanted to play in the NBA or I wanted to be a professional soccer player, or whatever it was. But I wasn't good enough. But I never ever moved away from wanting to be a broadcaster. In high school, I was the editor of the sports page. In college, same thing. I went and got interns right away at CNN and Turner Sports, and I joined the Olympic broadcast program. So everything I did was geared toward that. But I don't think it's necessary. And one of the things I try to do with SBC is create the program I wish I had uh, when I was coming out of college. Because... The first time, and this is honest to God truth, the first time I ever went live on national television was the first time I was ever live on TV in my life. I was the host of the Braves on TPS. That's not advised, by the way, Seth. It's not advised. How big were your eyes when the... uh, Oh, God. (laughs) I would love to see that broadcast because I I was the kind of guy who back then, you wouldn't know it by the way I broadcast now, but back then I just wanted to nail everything perfectly. I didn't. I wasn't worried about any personality, anything. Just get my words right, and I am sure I nailed it. But I'm sure I sounded like a robot too. I'm it sure was the dynamite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It was, you know, that was the sort of nightmare scenario for all of us of that generation. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. But it was it was good enough. Uh, I probably came off as a cocky 27 year old or whatever. Uh, but you know, it was it was good enough, and it kept me working. For years and years and years, but uh, you know, 
I, I'll say this. It's a, it's a game of reps. I talked to a broadcasting agent recently who said her advice to anybody is 10,000 hours. You just need 10,000 hours of doing this and doing this and doing this to get comfortable at it. Uh, but you don't have to wait for a producer in Nebraska to hire you. You can now get started on your own. I see great YouTube channels. I see NBA content that is brilliant uh, that I wish I had the chance to do when I was 15, 16 years old uh, to develop my craft. And they're, they're really, really talented people way ahead of wherever I was at that point in my life. Uh, and I'm, I'm just amazed by the opportunities and that, you know, to bring it back, that's what I'm doing at Sports Business Classroom. You are now in our class. Our students will call live NBA games. They will be there with a headset on uh, with a analyst and the, the student will be the analyst. The student will be the play by play guy and they will call those games and, you know, you'll, you'll get to host a studio show. So. Our, our men and women will host studio shows. They will be analysts on studio shows. It's just an experience I really wish I had, and it's sort of a dream to be able to create what should have been there for us all those years ago. I mean, this is this is very similar things. I, you know, I, people ask, well, how do I get you know how do I get a sports analytics job? It's like, well, you do sports analytics, and yeah. and, and it's like you're you're going to be bad when you start. Yes. But if you if you want to see like the value of reps, like I don't think. Like Ben Taylor didn't take a course. I mean, he probably wow. has, has, wow. has has he's probably done some edu- like done some like you know uh, on use of various like you know a Coursera or something on how to use whatever studio program he's using. But it's basically like you do it, you figure out what works for you, you get better. I had Keandre Ashley, uh, Hoop Intellect, on the show, who I think I I uh, pointed you to earlier. Sure, this week. yeah. And you know he's someone when when he was on the show. He talked about a lot of what he's done in the first couple of years of his sort of doing draft videos was getting better at not the, I mean, yes, getting better at the part of I'm watching this guy play and I understand what he's good and bad at, but presenting that in a way that, you know, is both informative and entertaining. And you're going to be terrible when you start. Like, well, I, it, you know, it's I, I, I look I look back at the code that I wrote when I was first doing stuff. And it's just like, I, I was like, I am the dumbest. I am the worst. And, and I'm but sure there's nothing was, wrong yeah. with that Seth. There's nothing wrong with that because you have to learn. Don't you, don't you agree on that point? Yeah. I think that there's, 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 you know, perfectionism is, is a double-edged sword because it makes you want to get better, but it, it, you beat yourself up over, over, you know, small mistakes. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, and, and frankly, like failing is an important part of getting better. This is, you know, in, 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 you know, the education context, it's desirable difficulty. If you if everything you're doing comes off perfectly, you probably aren't pushing yourself hard enough. Well, and I think here's the thing. Failure is different, uh, now to me for, for some of the young people coming along, because if you don't have, you know, when I went first on that, that Braves national TV show on TBS, I'm sure there was, what, a half a million, a million people watching back in the 90s, whenever that was. Now you can sort of hone your craft with a, with a smaller audience, and you can determine when you think you're ready for somebody like Seth Size to be on your product. And there's nothing wrong with not being perfect yet. Yeah, I know you love to judge. Uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I think there is a, a, a development that you can have, and you can sort of slowly gain traction 
and learn from your mistakes and learn from your success as well. Uh, shoot, I, I, the weird thing with, with those top tens that I've done uh, is that I, it was just an absolute silliness. And all of a sudden, I, I get a text from Brent Berry who said, you're on the front of Deadspin right now. And I, I, I like, and it's one of those things, and that's all he said in that text, and my heart dropped. And I was like, what have I done? What have I messed up? But so it was, get aggregated. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and it was one of those things where, you know, like, once I realized it was positive, it was a good thing, and, and that top ten became a huge part of my career that's, that was never expected, never anticipated, but it's just a product of, of working hard, doing good work, and keeping at it a, a year after year after year, and you never know what's going to hit. You know, you never know what your success is going to be. But but I was thrilled with it. How important is writing? I mean, you're to mm. broadcasting. Yeah, it's humongously important. I think the that writing is the basis for everything we do in media. If you are a good writer, then you will be successful at some level. You really will. Um, my friend Jeremy Levin is the producer of Inside the NBA. He, that's you know the biggest basketball show I think we've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, and he said, and he said to our students in 2020 at the virtual conference, no matter what position you are in our company, whether you're in graphics, whether you're an associate producer, whether you're a feature producer, uh, whether you're talent, you need to be able to tell me a story. Tell me a story. And he, he argues that writing is the basis for that. And I really agree with Jeremy on that. Uh, you know, those top tens are some written and some off the cuff. Uh, it sort of depends on where I am in the day, how backed up we are on stuff. Uh, but if, if I wasn't able to write those at some point and get the rhythm of that, uh, it wouldn't be what it is today. Uh, and, you know, look, I write lead-ins and tags whenever I'm on NBA TV. I do all that stuff. Uh, that's a different form of writing. I've, I've written for magazines and stuff like that. But it just really is, that's another one of those uh, disciplines where you have to work and work and work at it. I've, I've just sent out a writing assignment to our students this year. And I'm seeing the stuff that's coming back. And it's it's fine. But it really can be improved, and I'm excited to see, you know, Howard Beck is going to have a fun time going through and, and really working with these students and strip away some of the nonsense and improve it uh, a, a little bit in, in his time with us in Las Vegas. The, so having – there's nothing that, that makes you improve on that than having some sort of limit. Uh, back in the days when I practiced law, having a page limit on oh, wow. on a brief was, you know – you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do some prioritization, and 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 uh, and and by the way, like courts actually like they, they will actually take a ruler to your brief and make sure you haven't oh. you haven't played with margins, and and oh yeah, uh, because that like people have you know playing with the the you know the line spacing and and the margins oh, wow. and the font size, and, try, and so. Uh, you well, know, did you get better at that, Seth? What's that? You, did you get better at like? Uh, explaining yourself. The, yeah, well, no, no not cheating the, the system. No. Well, I'm yeah. sure you got better at that. But what I'm wondering yeah. is, do you get better at uh, sort of explaining your position briefly as you have to do that more? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's you know that that that's one form of it. But I was you know the the comparison there is you know you have how long to you have maybe two sentences for each highlight. 
Um, for, oh, yeah, yeah. For, for a top 10, yeah. it is usually one sort of nonsense sentence and one sentence saying what it was. So it is. It really is two sentences for each top 10. And being able to, you know, distill an idea down that quickly, that's hard. It's a, it's a probably apocryphal Abraham Lincoln story that someone, <laughs> someone uh, complimented him on a letter he wrote. And he's like, you know, I'm just sorry I didn't have more time so I could make it shorter. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, and the weird thing is, for my gig, it is specific to each producer. So it's a collaborative effort. Some producers will send me a three-and-a-half-minute highlight that is 10 plays, and some producers will send me a one-and-a-half-minute highlight for 10 plays. And I have to fill the time regardless. Uh, Which one's easier? One-and-a-half every day and also, really? and also better. It's better because... Yeah. What happens is we've developed an energy uh, and a pace and a speed through these things, and it's just hitting you right, left. It's like the first round of Hagler Hearns, for those of you that are old enough to remember that. It's just punch, 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 punch. And if I'm like on replay number four of a Grant Williams reverse layup, you're out of breath. We've lost our momentum, stuff like that. So there is a, a beauty in, in, in brevity there, and it makes the highlight better. Shots fired at Grant Williams. Why is, why is he the one who's... I, 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 you know what? I just read a story about him, and I just thought, who okay. would be the worst reverse layup in the world for a oh, oh. <laughs> There you go. He's, he's, oh, wow. I was nice for just a second, then I lost it. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so in terms of, you know, where... Is, is this just something you, you learned by doing? Did, what was your... You know, what, what, did you have schooling in this, or is it just something like, okay, I wrote that, it wasn't great, I'll learn from that, do it better next time? Well, specific to the top ten, it's an aspect of what I've done before. You know, I talk about, you know, hosting shows and stuff like that. A big aspect of that is is calling highlights. So calling highlights now is just like a portion of the studio hosting job. Uh, so that really comes pretty naturally. I've, I've probably called more basketball highlights than any person alive at this point. Uh, so it's just, it's just real easy. But um, it's work, and you have to do it over and over and over again to get good at it. Uh, you have to know what is important to include, what is important to exclude. Um, and I just think that I, I, I would love to teach a class in calling highlights, but I don't know that there's demand for it, honestly. <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to need that craft because there's just a limited number of us that get paid a living wage to do it. So um, it's, a, it's a challenge. But again, I think that that is a skill that if you master that, then you're a long way towards mastering being a studio anchor because a studio anchor is you've got a lead-in, you've got... Um, you know, you roll a highlight, you have a scoreboard, then you have a conversation with the panel. But the only really difficult part of that, other than following the traffic uh, that's on your format, which is something that the producer sets up, is the highlight. That's the one where you're sort of uh, exerting your skills. Because once you get to a part where, you know, look, I, you know, if I ask Shaquille O'Neal, what's, what's it like to try to stop a guy like that down low? I'm done because he's talking. So I, I pay attention and I listen, and if there's anything he says that is really pertinent, I ask a follow-up. But the hard part is more the highlights, and that's the challenge. So I think that 
um, you, you, you say there might not be a, uh, like a market for teaching, like narrating highlights. I think that, you know, I think we've probably all gotten very uh, um, familiar with uh, Zoom or Google Meet or, yeah. or Teams or whatever presentations. And uh, some people are really good at that. Most really aren't. And, and that sort of presentation, that multimedia presentation, whether it's online, whether it's, you know, I've, I've given talks before and um, uh, like some have done better than others. Um, uh, the, the, like learning how to present is a very important skill. Um, and so I think that I, I almost think that doing it in the context of something sort of frivolous and fun, like, like, you know, you're not, I don't think like you're, you're going to, I think you probably lose an audience pretty fast if you're trying to tell them how to do a, to present a PowerPoint on TPS reports or something like that. But if you make it like, if you make it a highlight show, then I think that, that like, that's a little bit more fun to grab onto. Am I, well, am I crazy here? No, I think you, you're right. Because I will tell you, I sense, I really sense if I'm going to lose an audience in a highlight at this point. I sense if it's getting boring. And so that's when I try to push, press the gas a little bit on my energy. Uh, so I feel like I sense that even when we're doing, you know, like when you and I are in, involved in a Zoom or uh, any sort of presentation, I feel like I've got a sense of that now. And it may just be my own interest uh, that could be waning, but I want to, you know, and they look, I've called more highlights than anybody. I really believe that. So my interest could wane if it's not good. Uh, but I think that's a challenge, and I think that's something you're right, that, that even if you talk about like what makes a successful presentation, holding the interest of folks has to be right up there at the top, because if they're not listening, if they're not paying attention, you're not going to have success. And I think that is something that, that we really could bring home to people, and I think I could really, I, I could help in that regard, sure, like, it, you know. I would love to uh, say that every NBA team is going to hire their own voice person to call their own highlights and do their own stuff, and then there's going to be a, a com comparable person at the WNBA and at the G League, and there's going to be thousands of us around the world. But it just likely doesn't work that way. If it does, I'd love to be wrong here. Uh, but I, I think that, that uh, the idea of capturing and holding people's attention, I think is, is supremely important in the world we live in today, especially with how much we are networking remotely. For sure. Um, you, I want to talk a little bit about the, the studio hosting thing and, and, and maybe okay. ask you to probably say some really nice things about Ernie Johnson. Cause you mentioned inside being the, <laughs> being the, you know, the, the biggest basketball show. And that's, I don't think there's much of a question about that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, um, anyone who's followed me for any length of time knows I have some quibbles with the way inside does things. And I won't, I won't make you answer for those. No, I'd love those, you to those, uh, make those me crimes, but, no, please, but, no, but from, from a standpoint of a television program, a self-contained television program, it works, and I think that Ernie is a is. And this is tough to say because it's it's you know it's the dance between the the main three and Shaq sometimes um, that 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 makes it work. Uh, but the 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 real glue of it, and you notice it when someone else like like no no slight intended it at like you know Matt Weiner. It's like well, you're not as good as LeBron. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, or, or other people who who step in for for uh, for Ernie from time to time, but 
his, you, you were talking about sensing when you're going to lose the audience. Like, that traffic cop role of, all right, Charles, you've, you, you, you've made that point several times, let's do something else, without, without it being like, without him actually saying, Charles, shut up, let's, let Kenny talk now. Like, that seems like a, that is a, that is a tough role to fill. Well, it is particularly tough when you consider his panel is Charles Barkley, is Shaquille O'Neal, and Kenny Smith. So I think the challenge there is that that Ernie, you know, and, and you mentioned anybody else hosting, part of it is that relationship that EJ has with Shaq, with Charles, and with Kenny. They respect him. He has that gravitas. If he says, stop, we're going another way, they'll listen. They may They may push back a little bit, but eventually... EJ can get the reins back in a way that nobody else can, and that's just because of their relationship and how long they've been together. Ernie Johnson has been my mentor since the 1990s. I've talked to him a thousand times about career development, broadcasting, what I can do better, what I've done wrong, uh, and he's always helpful. He is, he is, you know, everybody says it, it's overused, but he's a better guy than me as a broadcaster, and he's the best broadcaster I've seen. Um, and I just think that one of the things that he really does well, and I think this is so important, is he listens. Uh, so many of us, and myself, I, I was a victim of this as well, is, you know, I, you talked about the role of a traffic cop. There's a format that's in front of you when you're a host, and you're always looking, what's next? What are we going to? And you, you even ask your producer, what are we going to next? Um, Ernie really stays in that moment. He listens to the conversation. He elicits fantastic responses because he asks pointed questions and he's got a great personality. He's got a good sense of humor. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a gift Ernie has, but it didn't come without hard work. Uh, there's a producer down there named Tim Kiley at Turner Sports who really developed this inside the NBA that you know now. When Tim came down from ESPN, he divorced Ernie from the teleprompter. Ernie wasn't to use a teleprompter anymore. He used to be a real teleprompter guy, and he wasn't. And that's Tim Kiley who got him off the teleprompter and got Ernie really engaged with these folks. So there's a lot of people that are involved in, in really blowing up this Inside the NBA show. Uh, but it's Ernie's hard work and his, his willingness to listen to somebody else, too, and say, try this way. And, and he mastered it, and that's, that's a large part of that show's success. You know, to me, I, I, I go around and sort of joke with people that Charles Barkley has built a lot of nice homes for a lot of my friends at Turner Sports, myself <laughs> included, probably just because of his enormous personality, right? Everybody wants to watch Charles. Imagine you're Shaquille O'Neal in a room, and there's a guy with a bigger personality than you. That's, it's, it's tough to do, but that's, that's Charles Barkley. And I just think that, you know... Uh, for Ernie to shine in a situation like that where you got Charles and Shaq and Kenny helping to stabilize the ship, for Ernie to get his respect is a testament to who he is and the work he's put in. Well, let's come back to that in a, in a second, and, and then I'll make you, I'll make you answer for, Please for, my, do. for the charges. But uh, first, yes. uh, uh, for, uh, 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 devoted listener Charlie, is uh, Charlie Saturday, has a, uh, popped up with a question. And, Great. Uh, what do you got today, Charlie? Hey, fellas. Bo, I'm curious if there has been an NBA name that has given you the most struggles over the years uh, throughout the course of your career, <laughs> one that pops up that just seems to get you. I would say he never showed up on a highlight, so it probably didn't matter. Here, here's the name, and it started off in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I, I think I've got it right now. But it, Chemezi Metu, 
Is that right, Seth? Or am I am I saying it yes. right? As, as yes. far as you're concerned, yes. Uh, as, far as, so, as far as I know. Charlie, just so you know, if there are NCAA folks listening right now that were my producers back then, they would be having a huge laugh at this question. I couldn't say that that player's name for the life of me. I was Chemzi Metu, Chimney Metu. I don't know why. Like, we have the pronunciation guides all over the place, and we work on this stuff. And it's really important, Charlie, that we get these names right. But I just kept screwing this up and screwing this up and screwing this up. That's the name that jumps out at me. I've, I've forgotten that. I used to host uh, the uh, an NHL intermission show for the Atlanta Thrashers. And uh, one time, they, they would put the, the names on the teleprompter for me. Uh, but we had a pronunciation guide, Seth, and so I could go through. And it was pretty easy once you worked it out and everything like that. But you had to put in the effort. Uh, I get a... I get a a producer chimes in my ear as we're in commercial. Bo, so-and-so just scored. He's, a, he, he's uh, just been called up. We don't have a pronunciation. We're just going to put the name on the teleprompter for you and you call <laughs> it. <laughs> and I swear to God, Seth, there was not a vowel in sight on this name. <laughs> it was just, it's just R-X-Z-V-W-Y-Z. And, okay. you know, you're just like, I, I, and you do your best. You do your absolute best. But it was a challenge. So, but it wasn't Miroslav Shatan. A one-timer by Satan. You didn't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you didn't get that one. No, no, no. But, but you know. We've all made mistakes, and we've all made hilarious and and terrible mistakes. But you just got to shake it off, and you get you know. I've I've told the students of mine, you got to be like a quarterback. Sometimes you get beat for a touchdown, but you just got to come back. You got to have a short memory and make the next be goldfish. Play. Yeah, man. Yeah, short memory. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but my my particular foible on that is if I is for some reason if I'm talking about two players. Like the chances of it becoming a portmanteau is oh high. huge. Like I'm, I, I was talking uh, uh, yesterday. I was, I, I was talking to Jake Fisher, and we were talking about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and and it became at one point it became Kaidi. Like what? It's like oh my god! Like I'm, just, like, I'm like, sure I've messed up Kevin Durant and Kevin Garnett before. I'm positive I have for sure. Uh, there's just there's just names like that that I just you know. They're superstars, and it's Kevin, and it's like a two-syllable NT ending. You mess up, and this is when you have good producers. Your producers catch that, and you do it again. They send you a note, you do it again. Uh, and there are times when I'll give you, I, I'm going to do something I've never done. I'm going to give you my worst story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. The old. Uh, I'm going to have to look it up while I'm telling you. But what, what I'm t- the, the idea is that I've made horrible mistakes, but they sound so close to being right. Uh, so one time I was calling a Minnesota Timberwolves highlight, and their former coach, Flip Saunders, had just passed away. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't long ago. And I believe, how long after Flip Saunders passed away was Ryan the coach? Was he the coach at the time? No, I think I think they had uh, like I think they had a, a, a most of two seasons with Sam Mitchell. If I want to okay. remember correctly, so Ryan was coaching now, and there was some celebration. And I said, uh, you know, Flip Saunders, the coach of the Timberwolves, and he had passed away, and his son was coaching. And I heard about it from producers the next day in the worst way. 
and it was a terrible screw up. And I, you know, like I, if I heard it myself, I would know, but it was so close to being right. Those are the ones that really get you. The ones that are so close to being right that your mind just sort of melts a little bit and you go with the flow. Uh, but that's, that's one that got through the cracks and it, here's the safety net that we have. We have me saying the thing. We have a producer that puts it out there. What I say, we have a senior producer who listens to everything. And then there's a producer at the NBA who listens again and pushes it out there. So it went through three levels of folks and got out to the world. And, uh, I took a lot of heat for it and I deserved it. Uh, but it's just one of those things where if, if it w- if I would have said, you know, another, if I'd have said Sam Mitchell, everybody would have known it's wrong, but it was Saunders and it was Ryan Saunders and Flip Saunders. And that's where the screw up happened. And it, it's just, uh, it, it bothers me to this day. That's it's so easy to do. Yeah. Things like that. Like, you know, like the Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett, the, um, uh, like, um, I certainly with, with stuff like, you know, um, I accidentally the other day called Marvin Bagley the third Marvin Bagley Jr. Because it's yeah, just, like sure. and and it, and things like that. It's, it's wrong, but it just it it is is so close to a normal flow that you're, yeah. that you're used to that it just kind of you, you just kind of white noise over it almost until and you're like, right. Wait, no, wait, what? And if your producers are in the same mind frame and they're like, oh, that you know, it, it's so close that everybody just sort of accepts it. Uh, then that's where you get caught. If I if I would have if I called a Brooklyn Nets highlight this year and I said Kevin Durant passes to Steph Curry who knocks in the three, everybody's going to catch that. Uh, but it's just it's got to be something close to Kyrie Irving, and then you're uh, then you're going to get caught. Well, w- no, if if but if the shot had been made by Seth Curry, would they have? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. See, that's Seth and Steph is really close. I I don't think I've done that one before because. Steph is so right. absolutely incredible, you know, that, that you, you, you sort of set him apart in your mind. But that is one that I can see tripping you up because their names are so close. For sure. So I've got you for about 10 more minutes here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the defensive a little bit uh, if I can. And, you know, I love it. Is, you, um, so let, let me ask by, by this. So do you have when you're – do you have a do you have like explicit conversations about where like the top ten fits in the overall kind of <laughs> strategy of of you know how we're presenting the NBA? I have a very strong opinion of how important that is. Okay. Uh, the weight of my opinion uh, waxes and wanes depends on who you talk right, to right. because a lot of yeah. people are like he's just the announcer, yeah. let him announce. But I've been there longer than just about anybody. But I, I do have conversations, and I do have a very strong opinion about that. So I asked that question because earlier we were talking about Inside, and as a TV show, it works. My criticism has long been that as a promotional vehicle for both the NBA on the game on Turner, like the NBA on Turner, it, like the fact that it's a good show makes it you know, some value. But the game that is either just you know, either before, after, during, or the broader NBA as a whole, I think it 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 frequently fails. How so? Um, because of, uh, I mean, it's there's a lot of back in my day. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's there's some back in my day, and there's some, uh, you know, this is this is this is obviously coming from my perspective as an analytics guy. There's some, 
at this point, it, it's 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 willful ignorance of 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 certain topics. That, um, but more, but more, it's 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 like a misdescription of the game uh, that, that that's going on and saying this is bad because it's not like it was. I, no, I feel you, and I, I, I see where you're going with this. So, so I, I think- and while that makes, while that can make good, compelling TV in itself, is it doing the job of? And you want to turn in next week because to watch the game, not just watch Charles crap on the game. <laughs> well, I think I think the end of the day question is. Do they have an audience that's engaged in staying? There used to be this number that was incredible for Inside the NBA, and I haven't looked at it in a while. But Inside the NBA held the game audience better than any show, any post-game show out there. What that means is that people stuck around for the post-game show at a really, really high number. So I think that that was their ultimate determining factor. Uh, I think that they are aware of that critique. They really are. Uh, and, you know, they're, the one thing that I think helps those guys is that they're willing, you know, most of them are willing to make fun of themselves. Uh, and I think that they're willing to be wrong. And I think that they frequently are. I remember 2015 in the run-up to that championship by the Warriors, Charles Barkley saying a jump-shooting team is never going to win an NBA championship. I remember him drilling that and drilling that and drilling every team, that. Every team that's ever won an NBA championship is a jump shooter. <laughs> exactly. Um, but. So I see what you're saying. Like I, but, and I think that the other thing that I think is the challenge is I feel like an NBA audience that really is engaged with NBA Twitter and, and listening to some of the smarter voices <laughs> of the NBA is getting smarter. And so, you know, hearing that they need a, a post-up player to shoot guarded 12-foot fadeaways and hope that it goes down, you know, 60% of the time down the floor, I think they know better than that now. Uh, so I think that, you know, I, I, let, me, let, me, let me present it to you this way, Seth. Sure. You're the, you're the executive producer of Turner Sports. Inside the NBA is killing it from a rating standpoint, which means revenue. Uh, but you feel like maybe there's a way that we could present the game that is more precise and accurate and informative. What steps do you take? Um, so the comparison... That, it's a challenge. That, it is a challenge. Um, uh, the natural comparison, and obviously there's, there's the, um, you know, the structure of the sport is different enough, but the, the comparison we always make is to, is to like NFL, like... NFL, like the especially the good NFL studio shows, they, they yeah. won't hesitate to criticize, but they never go the extra step of crapping on the product. And it seems like, and I think that I think that uh, you know, there are that line like these are two bad teams. I don't know why anyone's watching this. This is bad basketball. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like that kind of stuff happens like and, and, all the you know, time on and, the late and, game. Yeah. yeah. And you know, sometimes that's right. Like sometimes this is a, but it's a little bit of a of almost a boy who cried wolf. In like, okay, this is a bad game. If this is the only time all season you said this is a bad game, that carries weight. If you say it's a bad game two times out of every three weeks, the message that people are getting is this is a bad product. Yeah. And so why am I watching it? And so that's more. I mean, this is this is there, so. There's different like the levels of interest here are interesting because the producer of the show kind of doesn't care about that. The producer of NBA on Turner 
maybe only cares about that some. The person who is looking at the NBA's overall media ecosystem health cares about that a great deal. And so that's that's sort of there's some push and pull there. And that's, you know, being being someone who is who is employed like by when the whole thing gets more popular, it's better for me. I'm much more taking the, the viewpoint of the last one. So that's, I think that's where I'm Well, so I, I think that there's one aspect of that that makes Inside a little bit different is I, I hope and I feel like that it's a running joke, that people understand the personalities. That when Charles said, Ernie, why the hell are we showing this highlight after that game again? You know, we just watched it. I hope people get the joke that it's late. Charles is getting old. He don't want to stay up and watch this stupid highlight kid. But I hope they get that joke. Maybe they don't. And maybe it gets beat to death. Uh, and there are young fans that are super passionate about the game, and maybe there's a disconnect there, too. Uh, that's fair. But I think that, weirdly, I think that in large part the ratings are the driver on that sort of thing, and it just rates so well, and it's Charles's personality is so fantastic. I can't imagine them saying to Charles, hey, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, he, he is... Uh, Boy, I've never seen somebody in a corporate environment have such free reign as <laughs> Charles Berkeley. Yeah. He, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, and it's been a good thing. And like I said, there's a lot of people who have nice houses because of Charles Barkley's personality uh, down at Turner Sports. And I just think that, you know, it's a, you know, I think I've heard your criticism before. In fact, I hear it a lot. You heard it from me. <laughs> well, yeah, from you. But yeah, I, I, yeah. like, I feel like if you're in that building, and you're in that room, you understand why they go in the direction they go in. Their real point in that show is to entertain people, make people laugh, and make people have a good time. It's not, you know, there are some really good X's and O's people and shows out there. If that's your thing, I don't know that Inside is going to be your favorite show. Uh, if you really want to laugh after a long night of basketball and, and hear some legends talk about the game and maybe whine about, you know, like, hey, these guys are getting paid all this money and I don't think they're as good as we were, then then that's inside the NBA to some extent. But I, I think that that's managed some by Ernie. Uh, I think Kenny's a little better on that. Uh, it's interesting because the, that show was set up. The, the talent that you see before you was put in place in large part by a former NBA player, uh, a guy that used to run you know Nike basketball, Michael Jackson. Uh, he played point guard at Georgetown, and he played for the Sacramento Kings. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the one that picked out. He brought Kenny in. He brought Charles in. He was the point guard on the Ewing teams, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And he played with with Sacramento. He and Kenny were on the same team, and that's their their connection going back. And Michael uh, helped to run Nike basketball for a while. And he's the one that, in large part, put together the personalities on that show. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a basketball player making those choices. Uh, so I just, I feel like you're right. And I feel they know the criticism. The producers are aware of the criticism. But for them to say, hey, let's, you know, let's try to rein in the personality of Charles Barkley. One, good luck. And two, uh, <laughs> two, I just don't know if they think that that is in that particular show's best interest. The, the question you have is, what do they do when Charles retires? I don't know. I have no idea what's coming. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me Dr if they Draymond all... Green is right here. So No, I know. I know. Good luck to Draymond trying to be Charles Barkley, though. I mean, that's, a, that's huge shoes to fill. Huge shoes. For sure. All right, I I I got I held your fight your feet as close to the fire as <laughs> as I think I'm going to be able to. I'll let you uh, know if I get fired this afternoon. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no. 
is, you know, we were just talking here. Um, <laughs> Um, Bo, uh, Bo, thanks a lot for, uh, for, for taking the time to join and I'm, uh, I'll see you in a couple days and, uh, folks, thanks, thanks for listening. I am, I'm back with a very different guest on, uh, on, on Thursday. Uh, I, I mentioned her yesterday when I was with Jake, uh, her name is Brittany Donaldson. She was a division one player. She has both, uh, been an analytics staffer and a bench coach in the NBA. So she has, uh, I think a wide range of, uh, of experiences in, in basketball at a high level, that'll be uh, pretty interesting to talk about. Get a get a viewpoint on those things that I don't think many people have. Uh, thanks everyone else for listening, and I will talk with you later. Take care. See you, Seth.